This is not the sound of a stream running through the mountains. It's water from a leaking pipe trickling down a stairway. That's not a frog splashing into a lake. It's a piece of sheetrock falling into a puddle on a kitchen floor. And that's not a hiker taking a deep breath of mountain air. It's a homeowner gasping at the sight of a $12,000 water damage repair bill. 40% of homeowners have experienced water damage. Protect your home with the Moen Smart Water Monitor and Shutoff. Moen. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Olive Magazine podcast, the weekly ramblings from the Hungry Olive Magazine team. My name is Laura Rowe, the editor and your host. This time the cookery team, Janine and Adam, talk about next generation food gifts to make for Christmas or any time of year, come to think of it, including gin and tonic dip dabs and giant pizza cookies. Travel editor Rhiannon and web editor Alex are chatting about Stedsons in the woods or foodie camp in the heart of the Swedish forest where you can forage for mushrooms, eat forest flowers in an open air restaurant and bob about on a lake in the floating sauna. Plus, editorial assistant Ellie and digital intern Amanda get into the festive spirit. There's really no resisting it now and talk about Christmas drinks and their favourite Bailey's Bakes. First up, here's Janine and Adam. Okay, I'm here with Adam. Hello. writer today. Hi, Adam. Hi. And we're talking about Christmas. It's yes, here. <laughs> it's here. I mean, it has been Christmas for a little while I in think our it's world. What, what day is it today? November the 7th? 7th or yeah. 8th, yeah. And apparently that it's now officially okay to talk about Christmas. Yeah, the big C word. Well, yeah. the other big C word. <laughs> Maybe the other, other big C word. <laughs> so we've had um, our issues been out for a week now um and the, our december issue it's not actually a christmas issue we've got a really amazing bumper christmas issue coming up mm-hmm. but it's kind of like getting ahead for christmas so we've covered things um like the feature we're talking about today which is making presents for people yeah um i don't know about you but when i was when i was little <laughs> i used to sort of make really dodgy kind of toffee and fudge and yeah the classics terrible wrapping give it to people i made a really watery piccalilli for a lot of my family one year (laughs) you know everyone's like "Mm," you know it's like the sort of thing that everyone cracked open in boxing day and we're like you know like 
spooned it onto the plate and all the liquid <laughs> just sort of seeped out into like, the rest of the food and turned everything yellow and everyone's everyone's really nice. You and, like, wouldn't do that mm, yeah, these days though, would you? Oh, no, I wouldn't do that now. But they must have been thrilled because at least you tried to... Yeah. yeah. Well, I think like everyone likes getting handmade because it's like yeah. it's thought, you know? Yeah. And also, I mean... Some people might be like, that's cheaper. That's a cheaper way of doing it. But it doesn't yeah, but have love. to be. You and put, it's You put the love into it, haven't you? It's time. You, you spend it's, time. Yeah. You've thought about it. Yeah. Because you're, you're usually tailoring it to someone. Like my family, we love mm. our Boxing Day. Um, like buffet, lunch, yeah, with all oh, the ham and all the cold cuts. And piccolili, like yeah. piccolili is like a massive part of that. So I was like, I'm going to make it this year. And that'd be like a real talking point and everyone will love it. And have you improved your piccolili game since then? Do you know what? I honestly don't think I've ever made it after that. <laughs> I think that's something that you should put on the, Maybe. Put on the list for Maybe. Christmas. Maybe just say to everyone, I've, you know, I've done it, yeah. I've improved it. Yeah, I think they'd be, think. now that I am actually a real life cookery writer, I think they'd be expecting like fireworks and <laughs> it, would just, it would just be piccolily. Like, where's the twist? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, in the feature in the magazine, we've kind of gone, I, I mean, I guess we've gone a step further than piccolily. We've got some really interesting things in there. Mm-hmm. Um one thing that I really loved was um, we decided to do grown-up dip dabs because we'd seen it on some trendy menus. So if you remember, dip dabs are like sherbet dip dabs with a little lolly that you put into yeah. them. Um, and Katie, who's our, our writer of the feature, came up with the idea of using uh, gin and tonic flavouring, which is you can now get... It's in tiny little bottles and it's a bit like um, using vanilla extract or yeah, orange extract. Yeah, baking, the baking aisle, I think, just for the yeah. essences and extracts. Yeah. Um, because gin's be, gin remains one of the biggest trends. I mean, it just... It just doesn't go away. The trend that not that I wanted to go no, away, no, but it's just it's still there. No one wants gin to go away, but it is the trend that will not die in terms of... Um, you know, taking gin and using it in, we, I mean, we've had it in stews, like slow, slow gin is yeah. beautiful in cooking, mm-hmm. but this is kind of taking it a step further and using it in a, in a sweet recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you tested it. What is it that makes sherbet sherbet then? So sherbet is really, it's the citric acid. All right. So it's like a powdered uh, acid available. You actually have to go to the chemist to buy yeah. it and it will have um, uh, like, you can eat this written on it, you know, yeah. like you can use it for culinary <clears throat> purposes. Yeah. Because um, I think you, you can get you can get clean and citric acid as well. So just, yes, just when you yeah, it, it will it will it will say in big bold on the yeah. packet that you can this is edible basically. Yeah. Um, get that one. Get, yeah, <laughs> I, I I would suggest getting that one. Um, and yeah, and then it's just sugar, so it's like that sweet sour yeah. in the same mouthful. Um, and you can but you like I mean obviously we've got ratios here. I think we've got um, we've got 150 grams of granulated sugar to one tablespoon mm-hmm. of citric acid and and that's pretty punchy i think yeah a few people you whiz it, yeah you whiz it together with the flavoring and the food process and it becomes that powdery sherbet yeah, yeah. but a few people found it quite i mean i did i think i've just basically my sour yeah like, it's a bit see i'm like so i'm gonna crisp that's that's yeah. me but like and that was perfect in fact when i used to work as a chef we used to i used to just pour citric well like have a pinch of citric acid <laughs> onto my tongue just for, just like for little, yeah why not i love yeah. sour things so that was perfect for me yeah but you could you could take it down or bump it up oh, a little I mean, bit more it, i mean if you know that you don't like sour things start with two tea like two like a teaspoon yeah, or like yeah then and you then, don't and then have a little that, taste and yeah. you know you just yeah. make it your own it's good fun but that's mm. yeah that's that's a really good one and we made um well katie did a recipe for little lemon um lollipops to dip in um, yeah. and they look so perfect on the pick we actually just i think was 
online now you can get these really great silicon molds where they've got little, little kind of circles um, carved out of them yeah. and you just kind of pour the so they're like indented so yeah. it just sort of sits in there and you just stick a yeah. thing in I think I, I did the old fashioned way with the silicone mat yeah. and then just spooned out little blobs yeah. and then uh, yeah push the stick in yeah real and quick. you can do that as well and yeah. they look they look cool they're yeah. a bit, they're a bit quirkier but it's nice like presentation wise it looks really good you know yeah. so people i think people would be really impressed by mm-hmm. that um another thing i think they'd be impressed by is um we've got a christmas cocktail and one talking about trends again another trend that we've been seeing whether you're in a bar or whether you're in a supermarket or an off license is uh, pre-made cocktails yeah i mean the classic gin and tonic in a can is yeah. like the thing that yeah. you might, might which I, you most people don't think is a cocktail but it's still a cocktail because yeah. you're mixing things together but, but i think like in a lot of trendy bars um because obviously i'm always hanging out in trendy bars yeah me too you literally will be able to buy a bottle like something like a negroni yeah, um, yeah, yeah. something without the fizz yeah. um that they you know a, a mixed drink that you then just pour over ice and mm-hmm. it's a bit bit lazy i think because yeah. bars there to make you a drink yeah and you go in those bars and they'll charge you like eight quid for it mm-hmm. anyway ours won't cost you eight quid <laughs> no it won't <laughs> um and again, it is, it's a proper heady mix. There's like Blanco tequila in there. There's Cointreau. There's whiskey, um, elderflower cordial, cinnamon, cloves, orange peel. And you, you get, um, if you go to um, some kitchen shops, you get those little kind of small um, bottles with a... Yeah, they're like um, what, 100 mil, 150 yeah, mil little with glass. With a little screw, little, yeah, like with a little, little stopper. Or, little, yeah. yeah. Um, and you can fill that up, put a ribbon on it, put a little um, tag on it. And I think that's such a lovely present to give to somebody. And, you know, and it's booze as well. So. Every, who doesn't like booze? <laughs> and this is a great, this is, it, it's really surprising. Like when Katie was telling us about it, she said that um, she makes it for her family every year and it goes down really well. Yeah. Um, and we continue the booze theme because we do like a bit of booze on olive um, with a, a marmalade. I love this marmalade. I've got, I've got it in my fridge at the minute from testing. I took a big jar home of it. Um, and it's got another trendy um, booze in it, which is Aperol, which yeah. is the new Campari. Yes. Everyone was drinking Aperol spritz this Everyone, year. Everyone, still. I think, it, yeah. Uh, and it's I mean, not a winter drink, though, is it? It's no, it's, def- it's definitely a, a summer drink, but mm. it's one that I particularly love. Yeah, what's your winter drink? Uh, Guinness, probably. Is it? Yeah. Mine is um, dark rum and ginger ale. Dark rum and ginger ale. That's a Christmas nice. drink. Nice. <laughs> but anyway... it's lovely because it's made with red grapefruit so you get this absolutely beautiful bright orangey red color Mm -hmm. and then you just sort of stir an aperol at the end so you get like a little hint of the bitterness yeah yeah so that like like echoes the bitterness of the grapefruit yeah so you sort of make uh like a red grapefruit marmalade but then you at the end you stir that aperol through so you get all that like vibrancy that bitterness it's none of that is cooked away so it sort of balances and yes it's you don't you don't lose any of the the, the sort of the niceness of the cocktail and yeah. the character of the cocktail exactly well. exactly also um we've got something which we were really excited about and i love this because this kind of shows you how you can make something that it sounds a bit kiddy um when you talk about it but it actually looks great so we did this idea for a chocolate chip cookie pizza um I'd seen something really similar to this when when I was in New York last because obviously they're, they're king of the cookies over there. So you um, you make a giant chocolate chip pizza and then cover it in like a schmoz that's like American melted marshmallow, marshmallow and chocolate. chocolate and then we've got caramel sauce as well. Yeah, and little toffee pieces yeah. as well. And um, and one thing that we found because we did we did a lot of we've got a lot of tips about where to get things online um, 
is that you can get great packaging. So we've shot this actually in a pizza box because yeah. you can go and buy like really nice kind of natural cardboard pizza yeah, boxes. Yeah. So you can put your own message on the front or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's great about this feature is it gives you that extra little um, hint about how you can package things up yeah, and yeah. how you can, you know. so when Make you, them into the real gift yeah. that they are as opposed to just here's a jar of something. It's like here's an actual gift. Yeah, but I think any kids would be absolutely thrilled to get one of those or if you took it along you know as a gift for like if you're going to a party or a a meal on Mm. christmas eve or something so everyone can have a slice of it afterwards well going on the people in our office (laughs) absolutely (laughs) like demolished it as in fighting over each other arguments elbows everywhere (laughs) to try and get that last slice it's it's so good. Yeah, and it's kind of crunchy at the edges and then more chewy really towards chewy, the middle. Really chewy, soft in the middle, yeah, yeah and just yeah. loaded with sugary goodness, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm starving. <laughs> yeah, so am I. So am I. But yeah, um, do check it out. There's loads more things in there, including a more traditional pickle shallot. There's Bailey's chocolate tiffin. Um, it's a lovely feature, so please mm-hmm. go and check it out on our December issue. But thanks for talking us through it, Adam. No worries at all. Next, we have Rhiannon and Alex. So I'm Rhiannon, Olive's travel editor, and I'm here with Alex, Olive's web editor. And Alex, you're not long back from a really inspiring trip to Stedsands in the Woods, a yeah. Swedish restaurant with rooms with a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and eagle-eyed readers might have caught some lovely photos of your trip in the November issue. But tell us a bit more about it. Stedsands in the Woods is a quite a complex one. When I've tried to describe it to people... It's quite difficult to describe, so I'm going to do the best I can. Um, so it's an ongoing project from a couple who are actually Danish, uh, and they're called Meta Helbeck and Fleming Hansen. And they sold their Copenhagen home and rooftop restaurant Stedson's Ostergro um, and moved their family just across the water to a seven-hectare plot of forest next to Lake Halle in West Sweden. Um, and the focus of their restaurant in Copenhagen was to make guests happy through sharing food and bringing them closer together um, and to nature through the use of like, fresh ingredients and really simple cooking, which can sound a bit... There's a lot of it going on at the moment and it yeah. can sound a bit cliche and more style over substance, but I can really vouch for them. Like They're doing really amazing things and it's really like it's very, very unique and very real as well. Um, and they've taken that farm-to-table idea to the next level in the heart of the Swedish forest um, <laughs> with a restaurant where they can grow almost all of what they're cooking on site. So, it, sounds, um, yeah. it does sound amazing. It sounds like they really practice what they preach. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it sounds quite immersive. You know, it sounds like you dine in the restaurant, but you actually see them picking the veg and doing the cooking. Is that right? Yeah, it, it's really very immersive. That's a good way to describe it because you are literally in the heart of the forest surrounded by what you're eating and surrounded by nature and the idea is to really switch off and get in touch with nature again like this these <laughs> phrases are thrown around so much at the moment yeah. but um you can like go foraging with Fleming and like spot the wildflowers with Mette and um the restaurant itself is an ongoing well the whole thing is an ongoing project um but at the moment um they've actually closed for the winter so they're re- they're doing lots of refurbishments and they're reopening in May next year and um, when I visited in um, late August, they had a very rustic setup in the middle of the woods. So there's lots of open fire cooking under tarpaulin, and people sit around a shared table. It's really, it it's really dreamy. lovely. Um, and the team actually has really exciting plans to create 
an, a third space that will be like it's like neither indoors or outdoors oh, again it sounds a bit weird and random <laughs> but like it if, if it's anything like what I'm imagining in my head it's going to be amazing um so, so what do they mean by that so it's going to be like a greenhouse that they're building directly onto the forest floor so it's like going to provide like nature and the forest floor provides the natural carpet so you'll be stepping on moss or yeah. something um, lovely and then the trees will grow up through the building which is going to be like quite atrium like um and then the natural sunlight and the stove will provide the heating and they're actually going to the family's actually going to live in the atrium greenhouse as well oh, so it's going to be big so yeah it's yeah. going to be really big i can imagine it being really ethereal and like something out of midsummer night's dream <laughs> yeah but the swedes are so good at that aren't they as well that kind yes. of um forest living and actually that forest setting is crucial by the sounds of it which i'm really intrigued by because so many people seem to be embracing that Absolutely. forest gardening at the moment um you know i'm thinking of people like mark diacono at otter farm in devon mm-hmm. um which we're featuring in our january issue um Watch the space and it's <laughs> exactly it sounds it sounds so sensible when you read into it that it's a kind of low fairly low maintenance sustainable mm-hmm. way of growing without if you haven't got huge amounts of space and that if I understand it right, the there are different cro- crops go to get grow together at different levels. So you might have vines up above, and obviously taller trees like fruit trees and nut trees. And then on the lower layer, you have berries and uh, things that grow on bushes, and then vegetables and herbs just above ground, and then ground plants like strawberries right through to root vegetables and it is it sounds a bit like that's what they're embracing at Steadsands. yeah yeah that's a really lo- nice way of putting it like the layering of the you know the nature and the forest life and it's supposed to need less um maintenance I think growing that way than if you have l- a lot of land with lots of beds that's yeah. what I understand well, so, I suppose because it's like na- the natural ecosystem like you know works your favor isn't yeah. it because um if you think everything, you know, the the trees are providing, you know, food for that. If they, the leaves drop, that's providing stuff on the forest floor, and then that encourages, you know, insects and like flowers and everything to grow. So, it does sound absolutely dreamy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fairy like, tale. I, I'm, world. I'm imagining like um, a cartoon <laughs> with like flowers, like butterflies and unicorns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So it, but it is, it is kind of like that because they really do like Meta and Fleming really use what nature has provided so the forest floor is like carpeted with those like blueberry plants and wildflowers and rock piles covered in edible moss so it is like a little fairy fairy grotto like you can imagine we're probably going a bit too far here but (laughs) you can imagine like little fairies living under um the toadstools and yeah. things yeah because that's what that's why it's so magical because you really go back to to basics and to thinking in a way that you know of like nature being so beautiful and like really really appreciating it which is quite hard to do because we're quite far removed from a lot of people yeah. not everybody is quite far removed from nature at the moment and from where our food grows exactly, exactly. We just go and buy it from a shop yeah so this is literally like they they pick flowers from the forest floor and then a couple of hours later they'll be in the forest flower dish and it's a beautiful dish um i don't know if anyone saw on our instagram or in our insta travel feature um i've also put it on the website um and it's um a picture of the forest flower 
salad and it's like a pile it was beautiful. of oh, it's absolutely stunning and is that quite typical of the dishes what what other dishes yeah. did you have when you were um there? so we also had an amazing like really it's a brown butter um kale and greens dish which was absolutely stunning with hazelnuts and and it was one of the one of the best dishes i've had ever like I d- it was just so fresh mm. and they re- use really simple cooking methods but it was all caramelized it was amazing say. and also they have um i went out foraging for mushrooms <laughs> uh with fleming and we got some absolutely ginormous mushrooms i was like completely blown away by them they were huge no one can see but i'm making a, a big um a big circle with my hand. <laughs> um, but again, I've put um, pictures of those on my article on the website. And um, they, again, all, all he did is we, we foraged for those about four or five o'clock. And then at six o'clock, they had already been turned into a dish. And they were so just quite, with some butter, like caramelised. It was absolutely Quite stunning. simple, but really strong flavours yes. and fresh yeah. food. And then um, where, um, so like... A, they pick a lot from the wild, but also they have a small permaculture farm and that provides the chefs with like other ingredients such as um, like bergamot flowers and sorrel and they're all grown in the... It's, it's like organised chaos. Like it's the <laughs> epitome of organised chaos because it's a stunning uh, garden that's really fruitful, but it's not in rows at all. It's literally just everything climbs <laughs> up amongst each other. Um, they've also got a really impressive insect hotel which provides like the really piney flowery honey um, and a pen that's home to like chickens and Linderod's pigs, which is a breed that's half wild boar and half tame. And they've actually been brought back from the verge of extinction. <laughs> um, yeah, by, by Fleming and um, Meta. So that's, that's really, that's really exciting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then there must be some things they can't produce themselves as well. Did you find some really interesting local suppliers when you were there? Yeah, well, to be to be fair, they really do produce everything. So they made this amazing rye bread, um, which they grind on a stone. You know, it's very, it's very artisan. We were talking about the word artisan recently, saying that it's overused a lot, but it's really going back to like traditional methods. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, they also have an amazing organic bakery down the road. It's called Backhuston. Um, and it's a beautiful cafe in a greenhouse. And this guy is called Soren, and he's about 70, 70, 80 years old. And he's been making sourdough bread for years Decades. and years, all of his life. And he's got an amazing um, traditional oven. And you can go and they've got a big glass window, so you can go and watch him, like, making the bread. And it makes a sourdough with rye, wheat and barley. So it's a really great combination. Um, Was it just delicious? Oh, it's absolutely gorgeous. Like, he he got a batch out of the oven and I couldn't hold it. It was was so hot. And then you just break into it and it's, like, got this really crisp outer Mm. shell and then really fluffy inside. And we had some in the car and I was just, like, just filled the car with this amazing (laughs) smell. Um... And also, quite nearby, um, is a place called Slonge Coffee Roaster. And that provides beans to restaurants all over Sweden. So, um, you know, they can get a coffee from there if they can't provide it themselves. And, um, and what's it like actually staying there? I mean, where do, where do you sleep and what else can you do when you're there? Um, so, it's... At the moment, it's Bedouin tents. Um, and they're, like 
they've got lots of like sturdy wooden floors and cozy blankets and like glowing lanterns so it's really um it's really lovely it's not like camping mm. but um and they've got um compost toilets as well which are very uh very modern um but by may next year they're um building these glass fronted wooden cabins i've seen like mock-ups of them and they're going to be stunning if they're anything like like the mock-ups um and they're going to be like dotted amongst the trees and around the lake um so it's like adding to that like cabin vibe that a lot of people are you know Lovely. they're getting in on at the moment um and also um they kind of be quite reminiscent of the floating sauna, which is that looks kind of, that looked magical. Yeah, that's like the icon of Stetsons in the woods. So you, Do you really, swim out to it? Or? No, you actually it's on a rope and okay. you step out on this little jetty, but it's like a natural jetty because it's made of rocks and you go through the the little there's lots of shrubs and you walk through it and then you you go and step onto it. It's got a little tiny deck and it's a little triangle hut and um it's made of like wood and you go inside and there's a little there's a little sauna and there's the the what's it called the stove that you put um the water on you light the fire and then you you kind of unanchor yourself and then you can float out into the middle (laughs) of the lake haller it's called it's so peaceful um and there's also a really special rock at one side of the camp next to the water's edge that's complete sun trap and I went and just lounged around there for a while so it's really honestly like it's place where you I I switched my phone on to airplane mode for like 48 hours and I was just like I'm not going to be I don't want to be be contacted by anybody other than like people around me and the people who go and stay also are really interesting like I was there with a couple who run a cookery school in San Francisco they'd flown in that day just to come and visit yeah they were visiting the rest of Sweden but I think they were based on this Mm. and um uh, a couple who run a wine a sparkling wine bar in Gothenburg which I'd visited previously and I was like oh my gosh and then a couple from um, Catalonia so it was it was amazing the people it's really really foodie but um everyone like shares you know ideas and thoughts and it's it's sociable and welcoming and exactly it's not there's no pretense there's no snobbery at all like everybody just mucks in and chats it sounds really special and of course if you want to read more about it you can check out alex's feature on the website yes you can (laughs) thank you and last but not least here's ellie and amanda Olive, we are getting into the festive spirit. You might laugh at us, but we (laughs) think the supermarkets have released their Christmas adverts. Exactly. It's getting dark outside quite early. It's time. It's not far. It might still be November, but it's not far. No, it's time. I'm very excited. It's time to embrace Christmas. (laughs) Exactly. And that got us thinking about ingredients that you use only really at Christmas. And you've just done a Bailey's taste test, haven't you? So we thought um, one good thing that lots of people use comes out of christmas is irish cream more specifically baileys yeah um and we thought we'd do an irish cream liqueur taste test just to see what other options are out there and just to see if baileys really is the best the best and what everyone thinks it is yeah um and really how it works is the team the team get together and there's about five of them and i request a number of different um irish cream 
alternatives to Baileys. Yeah. And they'll set it all up and they'll try it one after another and make their own notes and everything and then we'll score them. Usually it's a winner, runner-up and everything. And then, yeah, we'll score them one to ten or whatever and decide which is the best one. And there were some surprising results, weren't there? There was, Ali, yeah. So you'd be surprised, but you have to go online to read it. We're not going to tell you the winner now. No, so that's on olivemagazine.com. It is. But um, after we did that, we realised just how many... Irish cream recipes we have exactly. on the yeah. So in the December issue, we've got a very indulgent Bailey's chocolate tiffin, which is great as a Christmas gift. And that it's is, really pretty. Yeah, it looks yeah. lovely, and it's just lots of chocolate, lots of lots of Irish cream, yeah. and biscuits. Really, exactly, isn't it? it's got a nice little marble effect and yeah. glitter just to kind of give it a bit of va va voom. And people just. People just love Irish cream. I feel like everyone forgets about it the rest of the year and then as soon as Christmas comes. Yeah. So it's quite rich and quite indulgent, isn't it? Exactly. And it's, yeah, a really nice um, alcoholic kind of added ingredient to add to your... um, Add to your bakes. Exactly. Because we've got a... um, We've got a sunken Nutella cake, which uses a Bailey's cream as well. And then we've got some really indulgent boozy hot chocolate pancakes which have baileys in the sauce yeah. which is great for a christmas day breakfast really I nice think. for breakfast and they do really well um we get lots of people making them i think don't we yeah They're everyone, really delicious. everyone loves those yeah but also there are loads of other liqueurs and drinks that i think people only ever have at christmas yes. so in our house my dad always makes a hazelnut tiramisu for christmas day dessert yeah and it has frangelico in oh yeah frangelico. Is, and what's that Ellie? so that's a hazelnut liqueur and it comes in a bottle that kind of looks like a monk that's yes. the bottle it's very recognizable yeah. bottle yeah and it adds a really like rich boozy kick to the tiramisu but then i'd never think to use it the rest of the year no no i think when it's christmas everyone just thinks oh it's christmas we'll add well, yeah, every type of not? chocolate every type of booze every type of anything you just, think just of. go all out exactly which you're meant to do and exactly. it's not just um um what a uh, dark chocolate i think you can use it you can use white chocolate too mm. we've got other kind of gifting ideas like a um a bailey's white chocolate kind of fudge which is quite oh, nice yes that, Sim- that's a lovely gift yeah though, similar it? to the tiffin where you can you could add it into a nice little bag or something and take it round. definitely and a, a nice uh chocolate tart um with bailey's ice cream and a roulade with white oh. chocolate as well wow so many options and another one of those is brandy yes and People, I think the smell of brandy just, as soon as I smell it, it just reminds me of Christmas. Yeah. Because obviously brandy sauce, brandy on butter. Your, yeah. People put it on, in their put it Christmas on, puddings. Exactly. And light it on fire. Light it on fire. The dramatic <laughs> Christmas yeah. day that always kind of goes wrong, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a really popular one as well. But, um, and we've got a mincemeat pie recipe, which uses brandy in it. So that's, that's like a mince pie, but more of a dessert yeah. kind of thing. And that gives it a really nice little kind of kick, doesn't it? Mm. To add to that kind of mincemeat, but it's also like Christmas as that, well. Christmas, yeah. As soon as it's like, as soon as you taste these drinks, you just, you're yeah. like, oh, it's yeah. Christmas. It's, it's Christmas here. has arrived. <laughs> um, and when we had all the bottles of Irish cream liqueur, everyone was walking past and they were like, wow, you really <laughs> are getting into the Christmas yeah. spirit, aren't yeah. you? I know, we were never short of any sort of booze here at all. No. <laughs> um, and Contro as well. Contro, yes. We've got um, recipes online for that too, don't we? Yeah, I feel like that's something, that's a liqueur that I always 
it's always in the back of my head and when you have a drink but for some reason at Christmas I'm like oh yeah Yeah. it's one of those bottles I feel like everyone has but then they don't really use it that much no yeah it's one of those in your cupboard that your parents have got and they've got like every sort of liqueur yeah and you're going through like what yeah spirits in there what shall I use (laughs) they only come out at Christmas (laughs) but um, and another one of those is slow gin yeah slow gin that's I just popular remember people everyone and everyone still does make bottles of slow gin yeah. to give it as like a gift and then go exactly. foraging for the... And on the slow gin thing, that's uh, the next taste test we're going to be doing as well. So yes, um, I'm going, we've got some already in, but we're going to request those slow gin to taste those. Compare the... And we'll give you our best version of what we think's out there to yes. get you through the Christmas that's, period. That's a really warming spirit, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like gin is a very popular spirit, but adding some slow berries to it just yeah, yeah, exactly. makes it a little bit more festive. And also going back to the um, the Baileys, if you did want to, if you didn't have any lying around, I think you wanted to add a bit of a kick yeah. to hot chocolate. We actually have a recipe online on how oh, to yes. make Irish cream. Of course. So what is Irish cream? Do you just want to Irish, run through? Yeah, Irish cream is quite simple. It's um, whiskey, Irish whiskey. Yeah. That's obviously the Irish aspect <laughs> to it. Um, with cream. And oh. literally that's all it is. Um, more than often it's Irish cream. Um, yeah. Give me the roots where it comes from and lots of other, what we found from the ones we've tried have other added ingredients. Oh, like, so some have like chocolate. Chocolate, yeah, cocoa or vanilla, a little hint of other sorts of alcohol in there or right. different spirits. So yeah. it's really down to um, the provider or yeah. whoever, but it's generally That's whiskey and cream, like okay. what it says. Yeah, it <laughs> does what it says on the tin. Yeah. Um, and so when our recipe for making the Irish liqueur, yeah. so that do we add that to a hot chocolate? Yeah, so it's specifically we've got it on there as um, making your own um, to go to pimp up your, like your hot chocolate type thing. Okay. So um, rather than just having a standard rich chocolate, you can have a bit of an added Baileys in bit. there. And, and that's what a lot of people do at Christmas. I feel like you can have hot chocolate all year round, but as soon as it gets to Christmas, yeah. you have to add a boozy kick to it, don't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's very simple. Our recipe uses condensed milk and a bit of coffee extract too um, okay. so if you've got that laying around I know my mum often when I've looked in her cupboard has a random bit of camp um, coffee extract yeah and I remember when I was younger thinking what does she use that for <laughs> now you know but she likes <laughs> to have a little um, Irish uh, Irish kick of a Irish cream in her co- a hot chocolate or coffee but why not yeah and I feel like the one that, that we've missed out on one of the most Christmassy drinks is mulled wine, isn't it? Oh, it is, Ellie. Mulled wine is... <laughs> How could we forget? Like, and mulled cider, and too. And mulled cider. Mulled wine season, I feel, starts quite early. As soon as as soon as it's bonfire night, really, people, out, are, yeah. people are enjoying the mulled wine. It's so cheap to make as well. Like, I often mm. make my own, just like you don't have to yeah. get an expensive bottle of red wine or anything. No, because you can just add... All the fruits and cinnamons and yeah. spices to it and let it just kind of simmer down. Yeah. Um, so it's very... And it's that, again, is a really nice gift, like, yeah. to bring... And it's great because I remember being little and going around when had Christmas parties and then, and that smell of mulled wine. Yeah. Like, of it just simmering down with all the spices and being like, oh, what's that? Yeah, I know, <laughs> it's, it's so true, a, yeah. Such a festive smell, isn't it? Yeah, and where I'm from in, in the West Country, it's mulled... I know it is in the country, oh, but yeah. mulled cider is very it's, popular too. So. so is that the same process? You just use cider yeah, instead? I mean, I don't... Actually, I've never made mulled cider. I've only ever... Yeah. Um, and I always really like the cloudy kind of apple yeah. ones. Because um, unfortunately, as a West Country girl, I'm not a massive cider fan. <gasps> that is, <laughs> that is um, controversial. But I do like mulled cider. Um, anyway, so... Yeah. But I haven't ever made that myself. But 
I'm but sure I can imagine that's a similar process. Yes, of just probably not. It's tricky. simmering down yeah. the cider. Yeah, definitely. So I think we've covered quite a lot there of boozy yeah. things to make <laughs> with hope, your Christmas bakes. I, yeah, I think we've should have everyone in the festive spirit now (laughs) i know i'm sure coming closer to christmas we'll talk to you more about other christmas bits and bobs we've got coming up definitely and if you want to try out any of these recipes yourself they're all on olivemagazine.com and the bailey's chocolate tiffin is in the december issue which is um on sale at the moment it is and we've made it easy for you to have a look online we've created little collections of boozy bakes or as just baileys irish cream bakes so you can just have a little whiz through and see what takes you fancy there's no excuse not to get (laughs) baking exactly (laughs) great thanks ali thank you for listening to today's podcast i hope you're now feeling suitably festive don't forget you can buy olive magazine in all good supermarkets and news agents you can also download the snazzy digital edition via our app or you can read it online at olivemagazine.com tell us what you've loved and hated if you're so inclined on whichever social media channel takes your fancy just tag us in at olive magazine and if you really love us and we really hope that you do please can you review and rate us and subscribe over at itunes it helps us scoot a bit further up the charts which is no bad thing is it thank you very much and until next time bye